0: A group of patients have launched a charter challenge to help them get access to what they say is life-saving treatment, psilocybin mushrooms. Psilocybin, more commonly referred to as magic mushrooms, is seen as a way to treat extreme cases of anxiety and depression. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Sam Riches, who writes for the National Post and the Growth Op, joins me to discuss why psilocybin is seen as a viable treatment in these cases, how hard it is to access, and why these patients are suing the government. Don't forget, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Sam, for people who may not be familiar with psilocybin, what is it and what exactly does it do?
1: So psilocybin is more commonly referred to as as magic mushrooms. It's a tryptamine that's found in certain species of fungi, and we have a large body of evidence that shows there are some therapeutic applications for this natural substance, particularly those that are around mental health conditions like treatment resistant depression, anxiety. There have been many trials and and studies where psilocybin actually helps people get out of these loops of thinking. You know, usually we have the same sort of thoughts every day. These recurrent thoughts can sometimes be detrimental. They can be negative and substances like psilocybin, MDMA, in some cases, when they're administered around a safety protocol, a therapeutic application, they can help the consumer get out of those daily cycles and look at their problems, look at their issues, their Their viewpoints change slightly, and it gives them a chance to sort of get out of those patterns and see things from a slightly different perspective when administered in a container of safety.
0: So typically it's been associated with other illicit drugs. You mentioned MDMA also, you know, I think people may compare it to LSD. When did researchers see psilocybin as a potential medical treatment?
1: Well, it's a substance that's been studied as early as the 1950s, but in, in 2017, the US Federal Drug Administration gave MDMA a breakthrough therapy designation for the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder. A year later, they gave that same designation to psilocybin for the treatment of treatment-resistant depression. And then back in 2020, I believe, the FDA approved a new antidepressant for the first time in decades, which is a nasal spray that mimics the effects of ketamine. So there's been this resurgence of clinical trials and studying these psychedelics for their therapeutic applications.
0: We're talking about substances that are still technically illegal now. So how do people go about accessing it as a treatment. I assume that there's a protocol in place. It's not something that someone can approach their doctor or their psychiatrist about and say, hey, I think I I want to try psilocybin to deal with my depression. So what's the process currently for accessing it?
1: Well, actually, they can try that route. It's no guarantee that their doctor will be willing to help them pursue that therapy option. But currently, there are, there are three legal pathways in Canada to access psilocybin and psilocybin assisted psychotherapy. One of those is through Canada's special access program, which would mean someone that was thinking about taking the substance would work with their doctor to fill in the necessary paperwork and apply to the government to essentially be granted access to this substance through the SAP. Another option is to obtain a personal exemption from the Minister of Health under subsection 51 of the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. And then the last way to get it is to enroll in a clinical trial. So none of these three options are especially timely, especially if you're talking about someone that is has a terminal diagnosis or, you know, has, has a prognosis that has an undetermined amount of time left. So that's part of what's fueled this charter challenge.
0: I mean, previously you mentioned like very severe cases of depression that might be resistant to other medication. What would the application be? In someone with a terminal diagnosis, how would that substance help them potentially?
1: So for some people with terminal diagnosis, what they're finding is that with that terminal diagnosis, often there is um, some anxiety that comes with that, you know, distress about the end of your life and being caught, as we mentioned earlier, in these thought loops and being able to escape that anxiety and sort of forget about that problem and come to terms really with death is um, a takeaway that we're hearing more and more from people that have been granted access to psilocybin for psilocybin assisted psychotherapy.
0: And so that brings us to Thomas Hartle, who broke new ground in this area. He was the first Canadian to legally consume psilocybin for medical purposes. What's his story?
1: So Thomas Hartle, he's a father of two in Saskatchewan. He was a IT or is an IT professional of of nearly 30 years. And he was one of the first people to go through Theracil, which is this uh, BC-based nonprofit that has been helping Canadians obtain Section 56 exemptions. So Thomas received a uh, terminal diagnosis in 2016, stage four colon cancer. At that point, I believe he was uh, about 48 He'd never tried cannabis. He'd never tried psilocybin, anything like that. Shortly after his diagnosis, he became a medical cannabis consumer. He found that that was very helpful for him in terms of limiting his anxiety, helping him rest a little, uh, helping him eat, helping him sleep. And so he wanted to pursue psilocybin after having some success with medical cannabis. So he approached Theracil in June 2020. They worked together to send off the uh, request to Health Canada There was some back and forth for a few more months. And then in August 2020, he underwent psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy, becoming the first Canadian to do so legally outside of a clinical trial.
0: And how has he said that has changed things for him?
1: Well, the most immediate thing he spoke of after his first session was that he experienced a significant decrease in anxiety. He mentioned that he had had anxiety for so long, for so many years, he had sort of forgotten what it feels like to not to have it. And he said just that sensational alone in the first week following his initial therapy session was beyond words, he said, to, to, to experience, you know, to have no anxiety, a lack of anxiety. You know, and he mentioned, the, you know, I had no idea how long this benefit will last, but for the moment, it's really amazing and really good. Were his words. When you obtain the S56 exemption, it's valid for one year. So he ended up going through two more psilocybin assisted psychotherapy sessions, again, to great results, leading to months long relief from some of his anxiety and distress. But of course, it returns, and without another exemption or without being enrolled in a clinical trial or through the SAP, there's no way for him to access. Uh, psilocybin again to to address his needs
0: has he applied for an exemption again and what's the holdup, or what kind of delays do patients face when trying to get an exemption
1: he applied for a second exemption in october of last year it's my understanding that he has not heard back on that application one of the problems that theracil is is arguing in this charter challenge is that they are overwhelmed by applications from canadians that are interested in pursuing this as a therapy option their wait list is over 800 patients. In most cases, they've had to turn away many applicants to focus more on those with cancer and a terminal diagnosis. But they're a nonprofit that don't have the resources or the time or the staff to work through every single one of these applications. So what they've been really trying to drive home for the last two years and other organizations in Canada as well that are concentrated on this topic is that what they want ideally is full medical regulations. So medical regulations put into place so Canadians can access this type of therapy without having to wait for months or over a year to hear back.
0: So that brings us to the charter challenge that was launched recently. Who's launched it? Is Thomas Hartle a part of it? And what is it they're hoping to see happen?
1: There are eight Canadians involved in this charter challenge. Seven of the plaintiffs are patients and one is a healthcare practitioner. Thomas Hartle is one of the patients. Basically, they've launched this challenge to improve access to psilocybin and psilocybin therapy. They're arguing that it's currently the way it's structured with the three pathways we previously discussed. They argue that those pathways are insufficient and a violation of Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which guarantees the right to life, liberty, and security of the person. It's a similar argument that was made in the R versus Parker case in 2000, which led to Canada's first medical
0: cannabis loss. We'll be right back. What do the people behind Theracil have to say about the case or the cause and patients like Thomas Hartle?
1: Theracil, the BC-based nonprofit, they have worked in this case with each of the plaintiffs previously in trying to secure them access to psilocybin, though not always successfully. So they are supporting this case, they're supporting the plaintiffs, and they're fundraising to help cover the court costs.
0: Ultimately, I'm curious, and maybe Therosell hasn't addressed this and maybe the patients haven't addressed it. Like if their charter challenge isn't successful, like is there a hope that maybe pressure on the federal government might lead to legislative changes? If they can't do it through the courts, they might do it through political means?
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day what they want to see is medical regulations put in place. And from my conversations with them, they didn't want things to reach this point. They sort of feel backed into a corner and This was their only way forward right now. So last year, they actually sent off a 165-page document to Health Canada, which was in support of implementing proper medical regulations. That's an undertaking that Theracil estimates would have cost the agency hundreds of thousands of dollars to complete on its own. They previously issued three court challenges regarding individual patients and access to psilocybin that were all settled in favor of the patient before they reached court. And ideally, I think that's what they would like to see happen here as well, is that they can reach an agreement and they can come to terms with some medical regulations to move forward and not have to actually go
0: to court. I mean, you mentioned the case that allowed for the first medical use of cannabis in Canada in 2000. We went 17 years from that case to cannabis being legalized in Canada. Is there hope that potentially and maybe not for sale in stores on the corner in neighborhoods across the country but is there hope that through this case through public discussion around the issue that that you could see psilocybin legalized as a medical treatment without having to go through all these steps or with you know without having to take the government to court
1: ideally that's the hope is that this challenge could result in proper medical regulations and then we have a medical system where patients can access psilocybin-assisted psilocybin therapy through their doctors, through approved doctors, without having to, to, yes, go through these other pathways or wait months or in some cases over a year to get a response.
0: Just looking at it from the flip side of things, are there groups concerned that allowing too much access to this could lead to a system where it's being prescribed without caution, without care, that this is a pretty strong substance, we don't want it in the hands of too many people?
1: There could be, <laughs> there might be. <laughs> when you are talking about, you know, drug reform, this is, there's always people on both sides of the coin, but there's a very strong clinical body of evidence that psilocybin in some cases has a, a very effective therapeutic application. And there's also years of anecdotal evidence of traditional mental health treatments are not working for everyone. And whether that's major depressive disorder or whether that's anxiety or addiction issues, what psilocybin does is offers an alternative to people that have tried traditional pharmaceutical pathways and haven't found success.
0: Now, this lawsuit against the federal government, this charter challenge has just been launched. We're talking about patients, especially in the case of Thomas Hartle, who we don't know how much time someone like him has left. What's the hope in terms of how long this challenge could take?
1: Well, Spencer Hawkswell, the CEO of Theracell, told me that ideally they would like to see some resolution here within the next month or two how realistic that is I'm not sure obviously Health Canada has a lot on the go right now and there are a lot of issues that are sort of taking over the space on their plate so we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks but this is definitely something they're not looking to drag out for years or you know years on end they're, they're hoping that they can have a resolution ideally outside of the courtroom I believe within the next month
0: well it's a fascinating topic Sam and it's I'm one I know that we'll be following just as you will thanks for your time thank you Ten Three is produced by sean knox theme music by bryce hall thanks to my guest sam riches more from him at nationalpost.com i'm dave breakingridge thanks for listening